0: listen up. Yeah, we here
1: and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option.
0: Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's a shell and tell. They come with
1: all the facts. It's a shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's a shell
0: and tell. They come with all the facts. It's a shell and tell. What's up, Terp fans? Fred, Ryan, and Ahmed back for yet another edition of the Shell It's Tell podcast. It's Monday, July 25th, and we got a lot to talk about on this week's show, as usual. We're officially now 40 days away from kickoff 2022, as in this week, we talk all things football on this week's show.
1: Yeah, specifically an article defaming our beloved Terps that we got to get into a little bit, or at least a, a mention that blew up the uh, Terps Twitter.
2: Yeah, and like we said, with five weeks until uh, the season opener where you start our annual position breakdown as we dive deep into the quarterback, running back, and tight end rooms and what to expect for the 2022 season.
0: Yeah, a lot to be excited about for the upcoming season for sure. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, this week's show is sponsored by Quick Stretch and Body Works. Quick Stretch and Body Works help athletes with their performance and recovery periods both during and in the offseason. season. The Naturally Formulated Athletic Performance and Recovery Lotion is an easy, effective way for athletes to prepare for skilled training and workouts in full spring. Founded by Todd Smith, a former college athlete and head athletic trainer at two collegiate programs himself. Even some of the athletes at the University of Maryland are taking advantage of the product, including star linebacker Ruben Hippolyte II. Make sure you head over to QuickStretchBodyWorks.com and check it out today. That's QuickStretchBodyWorks.com. Like I said, fellas, countdown to kickoff in T-40 days. Saturday, September 3rd versus Buffalo, 12 First o'clock. tailgate, let's go. Yeah, man, down at Capital <laughs> One Field. I'm excited for it. Ryan and I are 60 days away now from our campus tour continuing as well uh, this season down in Ann Arbor in Michigan. Looking forward to that too.
1: Yeah, I was talking to a couple of the players the other day on, a, on a, like a Twitter live space telling them we're going to be in Michigan for them taking down Big Blue, and they were all very excited to hear for the <laughs> the Terps' confidence that we're going to be taking down the Big Dogs in the Big House.
0: That's right. Well, before we do too much, man, before we talk about this year's roster and start getting into our positional breakdowns, I want to talk a little bit about uh, 2023 and just give fans a little bit of a recruiting update. And the reason I say this, because I was on social media the other day through Twitter, scrolling through, you know, anything doom scrolling. Yeah, man. (laughs) And, And all the negative Nancy's out there, you know, come across a tweet that's comparing our recruiting class. Uh, up there with Syracuse. I think we're ranked somewhere in the 80s overall as a class. And I mean, you know me, I'm not a big fan of star ratings. I'm not a big fan of class ratings, that kind of thing. But 80s doesn't sound very good, right? So I want to talk a little bit about what this class really truly brings on the field beyond what these analysis and rankings want to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta start with the numbers, I guess, here that they use, the things they pretend matter. I mean, they say that our, that our average is a three star rating. Basically, it's an 84.62 is, is where we're at. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, you want to compare us to Syracuse. Uh we can compare very recently to Syracuse. We beat them twenty to sixty-three with a Josh <laughs> Jackson led terps team, all right? The guy that literally fell apart he and couldn't see left or right. right. Oh yeah. come on. We all saw what that looked against Temple. <laughs> Temple exposed him. You know, at least Talia waited for a top five defense to expose them last year in a heartbreaking moment. Like not Temple.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So we can already just like wash the Syracuse stuff away. No bottom end ACC team is comparing to the Terps. It's just not the reality of how it is.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, you know, stars and I get it from, you know, um, from, from the fans perspective in the sense of, you know, this is to date Loxley's worst recruiting class since he's been here. And I, I get that. But, you know there definitely have been guys like, you know, you look in the secondary, like Dante Lovett. Uh, you know, he's a high three-star in a lot of places. I think both on three and 24-7 have him in that like 87, 88 range. Um, and Marion, you know, had to, they had some questions with him. Uh, they moved forward with, uh, you know, other guys in the secondary, you know, Alex Moore, uh, Michael Moorman. Um, they had, uh, you know, th- they were able to to kind of, lean on their own evaluations. And, um, you know, if, if it was from a pure ranking perspective, I mean, I'll tell you what, you know, there have been guys in the past that Maryland has taken uh, because of their early rankings and, you know, kind of help with that buzz. And they didn't end up signing with Maryland. So um, I think this cycle just kind of with the, the portal, the way that it's evolved, and then with obviously name, image, and likeness, um, how that is just kind of really taking the sto- the college football by storm with you know pay for play at a lot of these places um, you know right. Maryland. I mentioned that on the site Maryland's not gonna do that and I still think that's the most sustainable approach uh, from a long-term perspective um, so you know a lot of these guys Maryland got them in on campus for two sometimes three workouts you know seven on sevens camp visits things like that and you know we're able to kind of move forward after the camp visits at the official visits so um, so I, I get it um, you know, the NIL stuff is kind of still not squared away should be, but um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you kind of want to build your foundation of, of your recruiting class with guys that want to be here, especially, you know, uh, seeing guys transfer.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it, and to be honest with you, I don't know if it's just me and maybe, maybe it is, but I feel in the 30 years that I've watched college football and I've, I've seen some of these ratings, I feel like over the last 10 years, these ratings have gotten worse and worse over the years. And, and, Maybe that's financially driven. I'm not going to say for sure it's financially driven, but it sure seems that way. And I'll tell you, if (laughs) if Loxley and crew has done anything, man, they have found those diamonds in the rough, quite a few of them, those three stars that end up playing to that four and five star potential.
1: And not only is it the ratings that are wrong, but also just what those ratings do to these players. You get these. When you're told you're the best thing since sliced bread and you're the, you've are the you been the very best player on every team forever, which, I mean, honestly, even the three stars have been the best team on every team forever, so I guess that's the wrong one. But when you're <laughs> told you're top ten in the country for your whole life and then you get to a level where you have to work for it, some of those guys do. Some of those guys put in the work, get it done, and they are the great NFL players that you're expecting and others just fold because they've been blowing people up with just God-given talent and no effort their whole life, and they don't know how to take the adversity. It happens all the time. Look at last year. Your five-star Terrence Lewis never put on shoulder pads. He went to a new team down there at UCF, and the only thing he put on down there was handcuffs. I mean, what are you going to do? It's, it, it just happens. And then also with the transfer portal opening up a whole nother bag of worms, these guys with the four- and five-star tags – they continue to have these options from these high-end coaches that they turn down. Even when you won once, if they're not 100% happy with every decision through coaching, which how do you coach someone when you're right. under that much pressure to be like, don't make him upset? Well, you know, that's kind of part of it. Like, I hated most of my coaches some days. Like, at the end of it, you're supposed to appreciate what the coaches did for you. But in the fucking throes of it, like, there's a lot of times you don't like the dude. Like, yeah. that's just how it works. Yeah. He's telling you what you're bad at.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, you, you kind of touched on it, Ryan, you know, from the, you know, off the field perspective, you know, the, the work ethic, the mentality, um, you know, I remember years ago, uh, I was a guy he was top 10, and then he dropped to, I think, top 100, top 150, and um, I was with another network at the time, and he kind of said, you know, it was like, why did you guys drop me? You know, Alabama won't take me anymore. Um, but then, you know, talking about stars rating, uh, ratings and all that, um, on, last week I was at uh, one of uh, St. Francis's, you know, evening workouts it wasn't like their official workout it was under justin winners uh i did an interview with adris farouk who's the uh younger cousin of uh oklahoma sooner wide receiver jaleel farouk and you know he mentioned he was like you know i, I want to be a four-star after this season and after the interview i kind of said hey you know just my two cents and i get to your perspective and i get you know kind of validate to you but like what's going to come first your your offers or your rating And i told right. you the offers are going to come worry about that. Worry about yourself. Worry about just doing what you need to do. All those offers are going to come and then everything else will fall into line after the fact. I mean, very few times you see a kid, you know, kind of get those, get that, get that high praise, uh, before, you know, all the schools recognize him. And that's why, you know, the schools have their, their own evaluation and things like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, this, this cycle just as a whole, I mean, it's been, uh, I've continued to say it. it's going to be a wild uh, you know, fall going into the off season, uh just with NIL and Transfer Portal and, you know, just players that are looking to fill their spots. It's been incredibly accelerated. I, I know multiple four stars that have been essentially pressured into committing immediately because they'll, quote unquote, lose their spot. And it's just kind of kind of wild so um i think now is when a lot of schools can make all these kinds of promises about nil and i think we're starting to see that at usc kind of crumble a little bit with jordan addison uh but you know come november late october december that's when a lot of these schools are going to have going to have to follow through so around we'll have nil stuff in place you know will they be able to compete with the texas a&m type no i'll just be the first to say no uh i don't think i'm the first to say it but uh (laughs) yeah at the end of the day i think uh you know, they'll, there might be, you know, one or two more, more announcements. And then from here on out, it's going to be the elite guys like the Neo Avery's, Deshaun Womack, Nicholas Harbor. Um, right. you know, it, the, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the type right now.
0: Yeah. And you talk about the transfer portal and its impact, man. And then you, you scroll around social media and you hear the rumors of that, the whole one transfer being done and just it, it yeah. evolving to this unlimited amount of transfers in the future. So it's only going to get worse. It's not yeah. going to get any better. Um, so that'd be I mean, interesting I'm not, to see what happens with that.
1: I'm not sad at what's left from our class last year, even though you're sitting here looking at chops gone. Terrence Lewis is gone. Jennings is gone. Like we Darryl still Jackson. got an awful lot of play. Yeah. Daryl Jackson. We have an awful lot of players. And then we talk about this again, their average of 84.62, this three-star rating. Let me drop you some names here and see if you're happy with these players. Dante Demas, three-star 85. That's yeah, pretty great. Yeah. Kareem's still 86, three-star right around that same number uh was one of the most prepared freshmen i've ever seen a freshman all-american two-time big 10 honorable mention a dude chica Conquo, three-star 87 just got drafted dj moore three-star just got or er, is a pro bowler darnell savage first rounder 84 right under our rating right now like it doesn't matter jake funk 82 got drafted tory smith two-time super bowl champion 85 what these guys there are great ones at this number we're getting them right in this well in this role hopefully they don't have all the head case issues of being told you the greatest things in sliced bread because they still got something to prove these guys seem to want to be at maryland they seem to want to have ties to the program so you can keep them around a little bit better than these just like one off five stars from god knows where that we get walking in here for just to practice to play for somebody else next year I, I I'm not too upset about it. I think it'll be fine. I do want to get a couple big fish. Of course, there's still big fish out there. It's always fun. There are some dudes that I think are just locks. Like you said with Harbor, like that guy's just going to be great. There's just no yeah. chance. He's not going to be great. So yeah, of course there's those guys and we don't you know have those locks, but it's, it's not as bad as the sky is falling that Twitter blew up to.
0: Right. And of course you want to continue to add talent to your roster and you're going to do that hopefully over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but, Ahmed, beyond star ratings, class rankings, all that, what do you see in this class? I mean, even even being in the 80s, right? I mean, are you seeing good value in some of these players that are coming in?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this on Inside the Bag with uh, the show with uh, Mason. I mean, Braden Waslowski, I'm a big, big fan of him and think that if he played at a big school, um, he would have much more attention. And, you know, uh, he only really entertained the schools that he camped at. And, uh, you know, Rutgers was kind of the other school in the mix with him. I think Dylan Wade, he's going to be enrolling early that three-star tight end out of jones high school quarterback turned tight end uh, dj samuels i think he's a three-star but if you know i know measurables obviously plays a huge role in, into you know who's going to take him and what what he kind of projects as but i think he's going to be a really good fit and he's another guy that rolls early Derek rogers he's only been playing football for about 15 16 months he's a he's a potential cornerback but right now he's a wide receiver for maryland's class and that's where maryland likes him uh deandre duffis uh he's another guy interior offensive lineman that like, uh, Tavon Nelson and Fontes, both of those guys just committed. Uh, they've been kind of committed for a couple of weeks and just kind of went public over this past weekend. I think both of those guys are really good. Daniel Wingate got a chance to watch him with Logan Delizio, my guy, uh, back in the, in last fall, uh, for Pilati. Um, he's a really long, uh, very athletic outside linebacker who can play inside, uh, depending on, you know, whether Maryland kind of shifts from, uh, you know, three, four, four, three. Um, but I think that he has really good uh, sideline to sideline range. Um, so, and then AJ Szymanski, you know, he's not going to enroll early right now. He could change that down the line, but uh, I think that's another guy that he kind of steps in that tight end room where he's not needed day one, but he adds uh, kind of a, a, an ability to, you know, serve as that next pass catcher. Um, so I think, I do think there are some guys. Um, if I had to go with two guys, I think Lowski and I think DJ Samuels. I think DJ Samuels is uh, probably the most criminally underrated guy, in, in my opinion. I mean, he was. Uh, I mentioned this again on the site you know last summer at this time really uh he was one of three New Jersey priority targets is Adon Schuler, Chase Besantis and DJ Samuels that I'd heard that uh cornerback uh Henry Baker was kind of leading the charge on and they were like we we want we need these three and you know that that persistence with Samuels paid off obviously you know went one for three Besantis just committed to Texas A&M Shuler went to Notre Dame but I think Samuels He's, he and comes from Bergen Catholic. He broke uh, he broke the sack record at Bergen Catholic, which is a right. New Jersey powerhouse. Um, he's a really productive player, and I think that's a guy that Marion fans, if you're looking at maybe there's three stars that you know very likely to to outperform. Samuels and uh, Waslowski are are kind of my two.
1: I really love the new commitment from Dylan Fontes. I don't, how many six, five, two pound defensive ends we got rolling out there. Like, <laughs> like that's, if he's not as good as, as a five star, he's got the frame for a five star. Like this is a nagak way all over again. Make it work. Like right. teach this kid how to do teach him up. And he's got the body for it. And yeah. you know, that's what I see in this, in this class is a bunch of dudes with stuff you can't teach. They're long, they're fast. And you know, we'll work on the rest. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm sure they all got skills too, but like, they they have the things that you can't teach, And, yeah. and I'm good and, with
2: it. And whenever you talk about you know guys that impact and you know kind of maybe play an earlier role, I mean both uh, both Fontis and Tavon Nelson are going to enroll early. So just getting that extra time, that six months on campus, and you know Maryland goes to a bowl game, you know that that you know only helps them. Um, so I think I, I do think that there's there is some some value and um, you know kind of filling out that foundation of your class right now. Uh, You get a chance to kind of see their senior year. You know, there could be other outside attention. Again, you know, I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty crazy next couple of months. But um, I I do think there's there's uh, there's a lot to like.
0: Yeah. And last year they did a really good job with the recruiting class and bringing in some top level talent at the end of the day. Like you said, you got to have that foundation. You got to have that depth, right? You got to have the pieces behind them. Uh, And I think that's where this class, you're really going to see the value. You're going to have a lot of guys that, that buy into the program, really want to be here. Local guys that have ties to the program. Uh, I think all that's positive. It's you're not going to have a top 20 class year in and year out. That would be fucking fantastic. But that's just not going to be reality, at least not at this point in this stage with locks and what he's got going on.
1: And you also don't always have the class like Ruben Hippolyte's class stands out to me where he was uh, this big time. He was a five star, I think, before he committed to us and a four star shortly thereafter where he was early and he was allowed and he was part of like, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's late. Sometimes it's rack late. Sometimes it's uh cross late sometimes it's Sean, super yeah. super late uh, like, it it happens like exactly. yeah these so like just to freak out now when we've seen it over and over again with locks that we we will be better at the end of this not worse and, it's, it's whether it's whether it's a huge splash like that again will is up to see but we'll be better than we are now
2: and, and you know what, I've heard it at other schools in Maryland, you know, they, they fit in that boat, but you know, that just watching the outgoing transport transfers, um, you know, there's, there's an emphasis on, you know, finding guys that want to be here for the right reasons. And if you're coming yep. and you're, the first thing that you mentioned is, Hey, what's your NI package? I mean, I even saw an article recently about, you know, if, if that's kind of the, one of the first questions you ask, you know, you, you kind of fall down the leaderboard a little bit. And so I do think that the, just kind of making sure there was a little bit more roster stability, um, that was that was kind of a point of emphasis. So making sure these guys wanted to be here for the right reasons. Uh, I think that was uh, something something Marilyn kind of coveted a little bit more.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into 2022 and why us as fans have reasons to be optimistic about this upcoming season. As uh, so we're going to do our our annual positional breakdown. We do this. We've done this now for the last two years. This will be our third year doing this uh this week we're going to break down the quarterbacks the running backs and the tight end group on this week's show uh so let's start let's start with quarterbacks let's start with the man himself the starter talia Tugavaloa, and what he brings to this year's squad
1: are you sure he's the starter fred is there like a <laughs> controversy think that's, in uh,
0: yeah i don't think there's any controversy on that at all <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i guess we'll hands just announce him now hands up and down <laughs> <laughs> And it's the kid that came in, obviously, from Alabama in 2020, started four games that year and held some uneven play in 2021. Obviously, led Northwestern Maryland to- wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but last year, obviously, led Maryland to the first bowl win since 2010, uh, put up a huge, huge year, set single season records for the Terps in passing yards. Uh, completions, completion percentage, single season touchdowns, single season, 300 yard passing games. I mean, he did it all for the Terps last year. Do you see him repeating that type of a year or building on that and have an even bigger year with all the weapons he's got?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he has the, definitely an opportunity to kind of take that next step. Obviously, you know, he, he, we, you know, well, it's inevitable to talk about, but, you know, just the amount of returning production, and especially across the offensive line, you know, all five starters, I think that uh, along the offensive line, I think that only adds to what Leah can do this year, you know, another offseason where he's kind of able to build a rapport. And I thought Mike Loxie made a good point uh, in his uh, interview with Greg. McElroy last week uh you know the next step for leah is just kind of maintaining the emotional side of things for him you know making sure the highs aren't too high the lows aren't too low uh, but you know from a skill set perspective um and he even mentioned it but you if you take away that second quarter against iowa and you know portions of the ohio state game but you know the ohio state game was was just a tough game Deshaun jones also got hurt that game but um i think the leah showed more consistency um, and, and you're kind of seeing a more confident Talia, even, you know, behind the scenes and, you know, from a day-to-day perspective, he, he's just been able to gradually kind of get out of his shell, which I think is a byproduct of his added confidence year in, year out, as he kind of gets more familiar with, you know, being a leader and more comfortable with his teammates. And, you know, he, he's just like his older brother Tua, um, where he's just always ready to work. So, uh, I do think that he has a very good chance, especially with Jacob Copeland there. I think he has a chance to, to definitely take that next step.
0: Yeah. You know, the the you mentioned like the turnovers. I think if fans can harp on anything about Leah, if you're just looking at the stat book, right, I think most people focus on the the turnovers, the interceptions. Well, five of those came in one game, like you said, against Iowa, right? It was a bad outing. He lost his star wide receiver, his best target in that game. It was it was an emotional mess for him. And it wasn't a good look. I'll give him that. It It wasn't a good game. It is what it is. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, completing almost seventy percent of your passes, the guy isn't inaccurate with the ball. It just had a, a bad game and a couple extra turnovers after that. Ryan, the one question I had for you—we've and we've talked about this a little bit—with um, with wide receivers, right? Wide receivers tend to be a little bit diva-ish, right? And obviously, he's got quite a few targets, quite a big, quite a few big-name targets that are all going to want the ball because all these guys are vetting for NFL draft positioning you know where they were going to be in the draft do you think that becomes a challenge in target shares and getting these guys involved do you think that becomes an issue at all this year
1: i don't think so i think there's just such a big pie that when you split it up it's still fine and that the, these guys are you know they they stay fresh I, both in the running backs and the wide receivers they just rotate so many bodies in these guys don't have the wear and tear of some of these programs that just like have these workhorses that they get the ball 20 times a day, whether they're, you know, a first round wide receiver or first round running back. Even when we have the top talent on our team, you know, and uh, um, an aunt McFarland, he wasn't the bell cow. He wasn't somebody we were just force feeding things to. Were there times I wish Jake Funk would have got the ball on the goal line at Temple four times? Yeah, it happened. <laughs> um, but uh, but it, for the most part, it was a nice, even split throughout their career, and it helps them not be beat to death. And I think the wide receivers see the same thing. I don't see any reason Jacob Copeland would have came here if it was going to be an issue. Um, I don't see why we wouldn't have lost one of the some of the bigger names in the wide receiver room you know we lost a couple of good you know supporting pieces but but nobody that we were just like scratching our head was definitely gonna be in the top five this year um so i just think it would have been a bigger issue we saw a mass exodus other places on the team and we didn't see it there so it shouldn't be an issue
2: yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I think Talia kind of has this opportunity to, to um, you know, just kind of pick who's open. I mean, just kind of with so many complimentary guys at uh, his disposal, especially even out of the backfield with potential to have a more balanced uh, offense a little bit. Um, you know, again, it's kind of pick your poison. You know, I mean, if you're going to double team Demas, well, Copeland's going to be open. And if you double team Copeland, well, Rack's going to be open. You can't, I mean, there's, there's just, if we're going to talk tight ends, you know, Corey Deitches, you know, What he's been able to do, and I think, uh, with with just being able to 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 kind of play play wide receiver in the spring because of numbers, and then now he's going to be back in the tight end room and get a chance to split out wide and just little little chance to to kind of develop more as a receiving threat under Gunner Brewer. Um, you know, I think there's there's kind of a lot of options at his disposal, and I think that's why there's so much confidence in the offense.
1: Talia's problems last year, you look back, I mean, it was it was red zone, and then it was the big first half of the Illinois game, and the Second quarter on in the Iowa game, like those were the and you watch that Illinois game if you have a chance. I mean, you just see, like, that's that's the fight that's in this quarterback. That's the real fight that when he's not beaten to death by the fact of losing one of his close friends and one of his number one targets, that he just fell apart in the Iowa game. The fight in that Illinois game to watch that comeback that was absolutely unbelievable and watch him run up to locks. Now, I got you, coach, you know, like that's the team that you want to root for that's what we're, we're we're so excited to see this year that's why those five fat guys came back They need to keep this man standing because <laughs> if this man stand at the end of the year maryland fans are going to be happy again they're yeah. going to be happy again i don't care how hard the schedule is
0: i mean listen a lot of this team's success ride or dies with leah and the production of leah in this offense yeah obviously a guy it's named to the max uh, maxwell award list watch list uh, he's one of the top rated quarterbacks in the country going into this year. That's huge, right? But the, I think the big question mark uh, at the quarterback position is going to be the guys behind Leah. If QB won, God forbid, let me knock on everything wood in this room. Yeah. Gets COVID is right? out one
1: week. That's what we're talking about, Fred, just one week. We're not <laughs> knock- discussing anything more than that, all right? <laughs> I'm literally knocking on everything. <laughs> That's the here. only reason we're seeing these guys is that one week, like has a COVID, <laughs> he's just sniffling well, a little bit, but they won't let him play, that, that thing. You know,
0: <laughs> last year, obviously, you had Lance Lejean leave out because he was a mental case. And now he went down to Louisiana. I don't even know if he's playing anymore. Uh, but then you had Reese. You didn't Jyninski. like his one word
1: tweets every day. God, you didn't, you was, didn't love this? No. Every day I'd call Fred and be like, what does it mean?
0: Oh I, my was God, so I was so <laughs> hyped about him after that uh, QB1 show or whatever it was. I, I I don't know. I had a lot. of. I wanted him there, to be better me. than he was. Yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Uh, but then, obviously, you know they did get their transfer in last year, and Reese And I think we all kind of had a little bit f- sense of like confidence, and, yeah, and confidence, yeah. knowing that if Leah went down, we had somebody that could step in, right? Curious uh, a couple that's, games. That's going to be a big question mark this year because uh, the transfer that we get in uh, this year, Billy Edwards, out of Wake Forest. Tell tell us a little bit about what he brings experience wise, if there's much experience. I think that's probably the most, I guess the biggest question mark with this guy is how much time does he really have in and how yeah. ready is he?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a big reason why, and he he was able to kind of draw some other draw some other power five interests uh once he was in the portal. But uh just being the younger brother of the offensive GA, Kyle Edwards, that kinda of gave him a lot more inherent familiarity with, you know, what Marion does, how they operate, what the day-to-day looks like, and then what the offense looks like, how how he kind of uh, fits in there. Um, and it's kind of known ever since, you know, he transferred in, he'd, he'd kind of be the primary backup with, you know, some other inexperienced options behind him. But uh, Edward, six three two hundred seven 207 pounds. He's more of a pocket guy that kind of fits like Leah, where he's capable of making plays and extending the plays with his legs, but he's going to be in the pocket. Now, again, from an, a game perspective, he doesn't have that much experience. Um, so, right. Uh, former three-star prospect, it was previously committed to Old Dominion before he uh, flipped to to Wake Forest out of high school. Uh, former forty-second uh, ranked prospect in, in Virginia on his in his class, um, he was a friend of uh, current wide receiver Ty Felton, if uh, memory serves correctly, as well. Um, so again, I think that you know it, it's a fair question to say, you know what what. What can Billy Edwards do? But I think just again, just the fact that he was able to get in in June, early June, uh, kind of get sit- situated a little bit. I think he was in there what two, two and a half weeks before Jaden and Camp Edge got on campus. Um, obviously, John Griffith, the former walk on or current walk on, uh, was already with the program. But you know, Edwards kind of supplants him as a QB two, as we mentioned. Um, so I think that you know, again, from an in game perspective, he's still kind of an unknown. But just you know, what what he's going to operate with, uh, you know, if he if he does come in. And he, you know, he has to play, he'll be able to be just kind of a game manager. And again, kind of with the running game expected to be a little bit more evenly distributed. And then obviously the weapons at wide receiver, you know, you got like Marcus filming, Deshaun Jones, where you can do a number of things with him out of the slot, jet sweeps, things like that. Um, You just kind of need him to, to manage the game a little bit. So I think Edwards is, is capable in that regard. Um, And, you know, he was able to flash, you know, a little bit of his uh, uh, big arm uh, during wake Forest's spring game. Uh, but again like i mentioned you know what from a game perspective uh def- definitely you know some uh some uncertainties to what he'll look like uh under the lights
1: it's it's just a spring game i'll give you that <laughs> that's us okay. um he was 12 for 14 126 yards a touchdown i watched every snap of it for the for his for his spring spring game not all the wake Forest. i'm not that kind of guy <laughs> uh, but i was interested in seeing what we were getting so i watched every snap and every time it was a first read throw and i don't know if that's a spring game thing i don't know if that's a coach thing like let's get through the playbook throw to the guy you're supposed to throw to whatever but you could watch the snap look where his head's point and put your finger on the screen the ball is going to go under the finger that's 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 every play for that spring game and so i'm just worried that he might not be there in the playbook that's what the worry is i think he's great i think he could be he has every every throw he can he has the arm talent but does he have above the shoulders to get the job done in a Big Ten defense? I don't think so yet. Could he carry us through the non you know the non Big Ten schedule if we if need be? Probably. I think I think he get the job done. But I just think this is the guy that would make a great throw, make a great throw, and then there's an interception <laughs> because they know where it's coming.
0: All right. Well, Ahmed, you kind of hinted on it. You talked a little bit about some of the walk-ons. Uh, named a few guys. I think if you're going to look for experience. Uh, behind Leah. The one guy I guess you can hang your hat on a little bit, Eric Najarian. Uh, he came in in 2020, had a little bit of gamesmanship. <laughs> it's kind of weird seeing him out there wearing a he, 22 or 24 jersey yeah. as a quarterback. <laughs> kind of interesting, but uh, he ended up doing pretty good. Uh, led, it led the Turps to a win against Rutgers a couple years ago throwing for 218 yards and two touchdowns in the second half. Uh, hasn't attempted a pass and only appeared in two games since in 2021. So
1: those were again, crisp handoffs though, Fred. Crisp handoffs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Listen, we again we don't have a ton of it uh, we don't have a ton of experience behind Leah at all. But uh Eric and Jerry and if I'm gonna point out anybody in that group that's gonna have at least knowledge of the playbook and could come in and run the offense seamlessly, he's gonna be the guy.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Nigerian and David Faust. you know, we haven't really seen much of David Faust, but right. those guys have really gotten a lot of praise from Loxley, um, since Loxley's kind of taken over and they've joined the program. Um, Faust, you know, you know, he has a, a big arm as well, but again, fans haven't really been able to see that, you know, in, uh, in a game setting really outside of, you know, like spring game throws, things like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, and they also added, you know, freshman walk on, uh, John Griffith, uh former Bowling Green commit, uh, out of St. Francis, three year starter, four year starter for him. Um, so you know, there, there are definitely you know some some walk on. But yeah, like you mentioned, you know, Nigerians probably uh the the most experienced uh, of of the bunch uh, behind Leo.
1: I'm sure it's just the fond memories of watching him beat those New Jersey kids. But like, he's my at least early season, I feel like he's going to push Edwards for that number two just because of the added experience, because he's been doing this in practice for so long, because I think that Billy's still got a lot of work to do in, in the getting to your second and third reads. You know, I think that Nigerian early could be that number two. Of course, Billy was brought in to be that guy. Eventually, he'll get to be that guy, but I, I think he's at least going to push him. I don't think it's going to, it's going to be a, a walk in, in the park for Billy. Yeah, well, hopefully we don't have to worry about any of these guys, and that yeah, we're talking. Hopefully, about they're Leah just like the really year. working our defense <laughs> every week, just yeah. making our defense yeah. shine. Or yeah. we're
0: winning so big that they're coming in in the third, fourth quarter. And that's yeah, I'd love to, to see
1: them in people. the third quarter in like a Lamar Jackson 2019. We're up by 40. Way that'd be great. <laughs>
0: exactly, that'd be great. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned a couple of the guys too, the freshmen coming in, right? Cause these are guys that uh, had some, some names to them. Uh, and some guys that have local ties. You mentioned Jaden Saray starter at wise uh, since his sophomore year, but misses Junior year due to COVID finished high school career, 27 and one through for over 4,000 yards and 60 touchdowns with a 67.4 percentage. Do you see Saray uh, potentially fighting for any time this year? Do you think he is a red shirt guy and they kind of shelve him?
2: Um, I I I would think that I would actually keep probably put both survey and Cam Edge in that redshirt category, and I think maybe maybe Maryland. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see. I mean, you know, quarterbacks tough. It's not like offensive line or receiver and things like that, where you can you know kind of give them reps, you know, third quarter or things like that. I mean, quarterback, you kind of have to you know, get that rhythm or there has to be like like we mentioned, you know, it's a blowout and they get a chance to kind of shine and four game maximum. Um, but I, you know, kind of going into the season, my expectation and my hunch is that, you know, both Saray and Edge end up redshirting just because um, just to kind of establish that depth now will Loxley try and figure out a way to kind of stagger the depth. I think that's possible, you know, like we saw with uh, camp uh Colby McDonald in the running back room last year where, you know, uh, he's now a sophomore and you have uh Roman Hemby and uh, Antoine Antwain Littleton that uh, both of those guys are redshirt freshmen now. Uh, but I think Saray, I mean, he came in, you know, if anyone's familiar with Wise, uh, all, all they do is win. And uh, Saray only has, uh, I believe, one uh, loss, high school loss uh, in his two years as a starter uh, under his belt. So he comes in, you know, kind of with a lot of respect locally, just um, being able to train with a lot of guys. He's actually trained with uh, St. Francis 2024 four-star quarterback, Mike Van Buren, uh, just as recently as what, two, three weeks ago up in the indoor facility. So, um, but I do think that that array. I don't know that I see him making a, a day one impact, but he's another guy that, you know, he's kind of been able to he made a lot, a lot of strides from, you know, COVID till now, or kind of going into, uh, his Maryland career where he was able to kind of, you know, he, you know, he gained some weight during COVID and he'll be the first to tell you. And then he trimmed down for his senior season, got into shape. And, you know, he spent a lot of time with Steve Rapp, the wise offensive coordinator, kind of working on his mechanics and, you know, getting a quicker release, things like that, of Nate, things of that nature, um, you know, and he, uh, I think that that's kind of the guy that they always wanted to get. Um, so uh don't know that I see him playing an impact this year, but maybe down the line.
1: Like I said, one lost twenty-seven and one four thousand yards, sixty touchdowns, and sixty-seven point four percentage. So, I mean, the guy's got skills—absolute skills—and could be a part of the future. Whether it's going to be anything this year, hopefully, like we said, we're only looking to see one quarterback this year in time that matters. So, uh, yeah. but he absolutely will, could be a part of the future.
2: Yeah. I- I think, you know, just kind of the big thing, you know, getting, you know, and and I'll even throw Billy Edwards in there, you know, because we mentioned, you know, Nigerian kind of pushing uh, Billy Edwards for QB2. I think just the fact that, you know, you get Billy Edwards, uh, you get uh, Jane Saray, and then uh, obviously cam edge getting all three of those guys and you know all three of those guys are very coachable they take the coaching well um and their 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 mentality is exactly kind of what you want in that quarterback a lot of similar traits with Leah you know kind of off the field in terms of you know their focus their dedication their personal uh personable touch with you know their teammates so I think just kind of getting all of them to work with coach Enos who I've heard is one of if not the best uh Actual like coach teaching these players and developing these players uh, on the Maryland staff, you know uh, I think you know guys like Gunnar Brewer Brian Braswell you know they probably give Enos a good shot, but you Enos, Enos knows how to bring bring the best out of these guys, so I think um, you know getting getting the chance to work with Enos early on um that was a big reason why cam Edge classified. I think that'll pay dividends down the line
0: I'm gonna hold your feet to the fire a little bit with these two incoming freshmen, right so saray edge, which one do you think is more? Division one college ready today.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna get a text either way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Whatever name exactly I say, somebody's thinking. gonna be upset. That's about then it.
0: they're it's even. Exactly I got gotcha. you. I mean, they're they're right there. They're competing <laughs> with each other. I like it.
1: <laughs> um, no,
2: but I, I, I'll I, I'll go edge because I think that he kind of has. um, I think he has the the arm strength, and I think he kind of has the whole like the mentality. And again, you know, he he should be Ed should be a senior in high school right now. Um, again, right. he he reached out to Maryland. He was proactive about, hey, you know, like I, I'm not too far off from you know being academically eligible to reclassify and enroll early. Um, that all kind of happened after AJ Swan decided to go to Vanderbilt. Um, that but guy. I I Vandy. I, yeah. <laughs> but uh I I'd, I'd go yeah. Edge. And I do think Saray, I think he's up for made for the ugly girl of the party. Get out of here. <laughs> I do think Edge, you know. I am th- sorry. I, th- I do think for Saray He's he's always had critics and doubters and people that have not been high on him even even before his just sophomore junior year um and he's kind of quietly continuously been able to shut them up um I so like that. that's that's kind of maybe my my biggest hesitation in and going with edge over that but uh i do think Edge just kind of has that that maybe i don't want to say that it factor but i think he's able to kind of do both more smoothly and um you know i think he former DeMatho, who transferred over to smyrna um so uh, I do think that he's kind of able to do both and kind of fits the scheme a little bit, uh, but we'll see, you know, I I would actually probably give him closer to a one, a one B rather than edges over Sarray or anything like that. But if I had to pick, I'd probably go edge. If
1: nothing else, what I see in this quarterback room is that we're actually building a little bit of depth. Like if yeah. these guys are able to stick around, I don't know if we actually know who the starter is in 2023. Like you have the three that we talked about here. They're transfers, Georgia tech, Jordan, J and straight cam edge. They got champ long coming in with the next classes looking great. Like you're, you're actually building like a quarterback controversy in a good way. Like yeah, I
0: mean, you're We're talking not picking about between room,
1: linebackers again.
0: You're talking about a room that has eight guys, right? Exactly. <laughs> that was going to be my point is that at eight guys. I really hope you don't get the linebacker portion where the <laughs> linebackers in there playing. Uh, but no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's, there's good depth there. It's inexperienced depth. We don't really know what we have in on some of these guys. Uh, but I like the, the serray and edge. I didn't know if one was head and shoulders above the other one, as far as talent goes, Saray coming in with kind of the chip on his shoulder. I like that edge got the talent. So we'll see, uh, you know, I'm excited for the future with the quarterback room. And, uh, hopefully that continues to get better over the next couple of years
2: and, uh, uh, and next I- position group. Go ahead. I was just going to say I think just kind of having Leah as a role model for that that young groom I think that that really helps in addition to having Enos there.
1: That has yeah. to be the reason why we're getting guys like you know our St. Francis quarterback John Griffith he's walking in walking on from St. Francis. There's lots of schools that would have taken him as a quarterback but he's pl- the walk on at Maryland to learn from Enos to learn from Talia to see how this is working around here like it's it's getting a reputation that you can come in here and develop, and that's all you can ask for for any of these guys. Right. All right, let's talk a little bit about the running back room. Uh, as running back,
0: obviously, you know, it's it's one of the question marks. We added a bunch of freshmen last year to the group, a lot of talented freshmen. Uh, but let's start this group with the senior, Shaolin Famatao, uh, the lone upperclassman in the unit, uh, did have a, a scary moment during the spring game where he was helped off early. the field very <laughs> yeah. early in the game. Um, I don't know what his injury status looks like. If he's you know okay now and going to be ready to go. Uh, and maybe you can give us a little insight on Shallon
2: Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, he was you know kind of been battling back, and I think that the staff will be a little bit more cautious with him. And but I do think that you know I, I expect to, to see him out there. Um, and just kind of going into the season, I kind of do. We expect him to maybe be that number one guy. I don't know if, the, you know, again, you know, Lax talked about this so many times. There's not going to be a, a, a clear cut number one guy and then, you know, the rest of the room. It's going to be, you know, running back, back by committee. Um, that's just okay. Make sure that, yeah, exactly. You make sure, you know, everyone's good. not banged up. Uh, but I do think that Falmatao is going to be the guy that, that kind of uh, t- takes that lead early on. Yeah, I know Ryan and I
0: talked about this the other day is one of, I think, one of the appeals for, Uh, running back position at the university of Maryland is that you don't have to be a bell cow to be successful and to get attention and to be drafted. You know, we've seen, you know, the McFarland's of the world and, you know, the, the Jake funks of the world, these guys get drafted on limited carries because the carries that they get they're optimized right and 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 they're healthy and they're you know they're 100% rested for they have plenty of stamina because they've got 3 and 4 backs that they can rotate in and rotate out and i don't think this year is going to be any different because again you've got Three second-year stars coming into the mix as well. All three scored touchdowns in the pinstripe bowl last year, so that's a a Who didn't score a touchdown? I think I got a (laughs) touchdown. Exactly. That's very true, too. (laughs) Uh, And we'll start with Colby McDonald, man. This is a kid I think he's got a lot of talent. He's got that that game-changing type speed. Uh, He's a one-cut-and-go type of back, but he's an exciting back to watch.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, it was actually kind of interesting because I remember looking back when they got uh, McDonald in between Littleton. And I was like, you know, Littleton's a guy that would be great in between the tackles, and McDonald, I think, is going to be a lethal threat in the receiving game where I watched him. You know, he was able to do a lot out of the backfield with his hands, and, you know, he's kind of, since he's arrived in College Park, he's been able to bulk up a little bit, and he's been able to show that he can run in between the tackles too pick up the tough yards um, and i think he's been able to maintain some of that athleticism some of that burst and um so like you said you know one cut back and, and kind of able to do some things uh, in the backfield uh, and he was able to kind of get that that increased opportunity last last uh last season so um definitely i think that he's he's kind of been uh maybe maybe the unexpected breakout candidate from last season going into this season with a lot of confidence as well kind of uh maybe i don't want to say leader or anything like that but you know definitely a guy that that uh instills a lot of confidence in what that running back room can do
1: yeah he himself was saying that you know his work this offseason hasn't been about the running back he did pretty well last year with with that part of things it's about the things without the ball in your hand the picking up the pass and pass blocking the running routes within the route tree, um, you know, doing these kind of things, knowing where where the rest of the team is going to be.
0: I was going to say, I feel like he needs to be the guy that steps up and replaces the, the pass catching threat that Teon fleet Davis was for us last year. Cause obviously, you know, when you look at these back Antoine Littleton, he's not built to be a receiving threat. Can he catch the ball? I'm sure, but he's not built to be a receiving threat out of the backfield. I think Roman Hemby, the next guy, my guy, Middle River's finest, as I say, that's a that's a guy who can be that. He's uh, he's definitely, in my opinion, I think he's the fastest back uh, in this group, just straight line speed. Uh, but this is a kid who who flashes potential both as a runner and a and a receiving back out of the backfield as well.
1: Yeah, Roman Hemby at speed, you talk about clocked a four four forty in high school at John Cale right down the road from you. Yeah. Uh, a- He showed his speed with a potential with a breakaway run in the spring game. Uh, I think his speed really sets him up well. He's going to be a big part of those end of, you know, we talked last year. What we didn't have were those 40 yard runs that we had from the years before with Ant McFarland and Javon Leak that just kind of just broke it open. Could be a big part of that and a big part of the return game that we need somebody in the return Please. game that's not Dante yeah. Demas. Exactly.
0: Right? Don't let it be Demas. <laughs> Don't let it be rack. Don't let it be your prime a one receiving threats. Let's get some some of your running back depth out there that has speed in the return game. Yeah, that's something that I was vetting for last year. Hard. used to yeah. Taking hits
1: from weird angles and not just falling to the ground. You know, it's kind of part of their job. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: I mean, you talk. Yeah, like you guys mentioned, uh, you know, the, his top end speed and that was something that they really liked about Hemby coming out of high school Um. And and I believe when I went to one of his workouts, when he was going into his senior year, uh, one of his trainers mentioned I think it was a four four one four 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 two that he ran. I think it was either during or after his workout, uh, and I think fans got a chance to kind of see that some of that top end speed last year or, uh, in the spring game. Um, and I was kind of surprised that we didn't see more of him last year, but again, you know, like, like I mentioned with McDonald, you know, it was maybe more so of a coaching decision to kind of stagger the depth room depth chart a little bit. Uh, you know, just kind of with a long-term eligibility, long-term approach, um, currently listed as a sophomore, but obviously he still has that red shirt, uh, availability. So you can mentally think of him as a red shirt freshman, but, uh, I think that that's going to be your, maybe that change of pace back and then obviously like we mentioned you know he'll he, he'll have a chance to, to kind of play in the in that uh third unit on uh on on uh special teams so um i'm really high on him i said it last year i expected to see a lot of him and i think obviously you know just kind of with you know m- maximizing his four games while, ma- while maintaining a redshirt possibility uh, i think we will see him more th- this fall and uh like i said you know he's a great complement to what found and mcdonald are able to provide
0: yeah, as you mentioned, in the limited use he had last year, he had 17 carries for 71 yards over his four appearances. He did score in both the regular season and the bowl game uh, last year, so he's got a little bit of experience under his belt, and, and he's just he's going to be bigger, faster, stronger this year. He's going to have a better sense of the you know understanding of the offense. He's got his group of offensive linemen back in front of him. I expect big things from Omen Hemby as well. Uh, another guy that I expect big things, maybe not this year. And we might see it in short bursts. We might see it in small flashes. Uh, That's going to be incoming freshman Ramon Brown. This guy looks like he's built for an NFL roster right now as a freshman coming into college. I mean, this guy physically has all the tools. Um, He's highly recruited out of Virginia. This is a guy I think Terp fans need to know and get excited about.
1: Roman Brown's built like a grown man I mean this yeah. g- this guy does not look like a freshman this is reminds me of when Nick Cross came in Where like he's physically ready for it what we saw with Nick Cross was locks kind of kept the reins on him didn't really let him play much he was in a couple plays when he was on there he showed out we remember the toe tap interception right in front yeah. of our seats yeah. like he was ready for it but was the head there and I just think that Running back is such an easier transition. Like, of course, there's stuff to learn from the high school to college game for everyone. But to play, you know, free safety or even strong safety in the Big Ten, there's a lot more to learn. than this is the hole we need you to run in. So I think they're going to be able to use this guy a lot earlier. And I think he's going to put in some work. If we didn't have all these options in front of him, you'd be looking at somebody that could push for some of these records that we got for the for a freshman running back.
2: Yeah. And I think he's kind of maybe the most intriguing uh, prospect in that running back room. And uh, I think that he's, he kind of has a chance to, um, you know, he, he probably maximizes his four games this year not because of you know he's not talented enough I think he's very talented, i think just kind of um you know being that long term piece where he's kind of maybe not the feature back again like you mentioned you know because lock that's just not lo not, not manstra in the backfield, but um I think he kind of do it all and he has a really good uh build to him where he's able to maintain that speed as well um really sturdy lower body. Uh, that's kind of able to help him uh, move or uh, when he gets gets contact, he's able to fall forward a little bit. Uh, but I think he's able to kind of do it in between and outside as well. So um, he's going to be pretty intriguing aspect, but he kind of he's kind of the cherry on top for the, uh, the running back room.
0: Yeah, he's somebody I'm excited about. Like I said, maybe you don't see him too much this year, but if you see him in the maximum four games, I'll be happy with that because uh, his future is really bright as a turp. Well, another guy I know you kind of mentioned him a little bit already, but he can't go without being mentioned. Antoine Littleton. This is a guy who's put in the work this off season to kind of transform his body. Uh, tell us a little bit about what fans could be excited about with Littleton this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think just uh, you know, I think he probably deserves the biggest shout out just over the last year because I remember you know uh, you know it was kind of after COVID and you know, there were some, some concerns about, you know, what he was going to come in as weight wise. Um, and if you've looked up, seen videos of him working out now, I mean, it's a absolute night and day. Uh, he's, he's down to about two thirty, enrolled at one point. He was, I heard about two seventy north, a little around that, um, around that. And just kind of, um, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, is he going to be able to play running back? And, you know, he's, he's, been very adamant that you know i came to college park to play running back and uh, he's down like i said you know down to about 230 now um you know i think in high school he yeah i mean it's it's really remarkable i mean to the point where i think i even just saw another video on tuesday night of him working out i mean he's like completely trimmed down um and i think he's it's kind of in high school you watched him and you know just his pure size and his footwork he's very light on his feet even with that to i think it was what 250 255 uh, his junior year um, he was able to, to just kind of bulldoze people. And because of that footwork was able to make some big plays out of it. Uh, but I think just the fact that he's kind of been able to transform his body, you know, get into really good shape. Um, I think that's kind of been able to, you know, he doesn't have the same level of power, but you know, he still maintained that, uh, while improving vastly improving uh, his speed and that first step. Uh, so I think that he, he's going to play a role in that running back room this year. Um, And he, like I said, you know, I think he's just worth repeating again because um, he's really done everything that has been asked of him to kind of get to this point. Um, I believe all the running backs got a chance to go over to Elijah Brooks's house uh, on Sunday night and, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, rewarding the guys and making sure that, you know, like the team chemistry the, in the room is, you know, very strong. And I think Littleton uh, has been able to just show that he's completely bought into what, you know, what the staff wants of him uh, in order to see a role. And, you know, like I said, you know, he, he's, he's done everything and more. So uh, really, really intriguing aspect in this uh, running back attack. I'm
1: happy for him, but I'm a little sad for us because it was so much fun to watch him play last year, man, that, that lineman with the running back skills, is just something you just don't see in your life. And it was real fun when he got out there rolling
0: to that point though, This is what I was going to bring up, right? When we talk about bigger backs, right? They learn how to use their weight and use their weight to their advantage because they're They're expecting impact. Those lighter backs, they do everything that they can to avoid impact, right? So even though he's dropped weight, he still knows the proper technique of how to use his weight to his advantage. So he might be a little bit lighter, which is going to help him with speed and all that stuff. But he still knows the fundamentals, how to get low and how to use his base and his strength to power through guys. He might not physically have the weight, but I still think he'll be a bruiser even at a lighter weight. In my yeah. opinion, I just think that's how these guys develop. It's
1: definitely a guy they do not want to see get to the second or third level because he's going to roll over some DBs. Right. No matter yeah. how much weight he's dropped, my man is still a big dude that knows what he's doing. And he right.
2: plays the same way. It's just the fact that you know he's just from a you know body composition standpoint. You know he's been able to um just just trim down. I think it's been uh he was hurting really, people
1: at two seventy. I'm excited to see what he can do now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: it's been uh, it's been really remarkable to watch. I'm happy for him. Yeah, you speak of big
0: guys right it may be a position that doesn't get enough notoriety that people don't talk about enough got to talk about the fullback position is right because they're in the backfield as well and uh let's talk a little bit about joseph burns and what he brings to this roster this year
2: yeah i think that was a guy you know uh when he first enrolled you know, i heard a lot of packages about you know joey burns and cj dupree together and gold line packages and you know just the amount of size that kind of gives that uh gives that unit uh i think it was really impressive and obviously suffered a torn acl freshman year was kind of derailed at that point uh one of two players that kind of stood out during that second team offense during the spring game but uh you know he's another saint francis product and you know when you kind of ask you know what's the saint francis coaches what what do you expect out of Joey burns and it was always this guy's a really good blocker but don't sleep on him because if he you know checks out and he motions out and he's able to you know make himself available downfield you know he 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 can make plays and he has soft hands so um, but I think that just kind of the versatility that he brings in that in that backfield uh, I think that'll definitely help so uh kind of kind of gives Maryland a chance to to you know drop some uh, some unique things uh, out of the backfield.
1: Yeah Burns is definitely one of those two players that stood out to me in the spring game I mean him and Weston Wolf you talked about you know what were one of Leah's issues was in the in the red zone and your goal line packages you mentioned I was kind of getting excited driving home because I knew we were talking about this and just thinking about the combinations that we have with, like you said, I can picture Joseph Burns and C.J. Dupree in the backfield with a Weston Wolf on, on on the line and you got Deitches out wide and pick your wide receiver that's best in the red zone. I don't even know who it is. Is it Copeland? Is it Rack? I don't know who your red zone wide receiver is, but you only really need one. We got some dudes out here. I just really am excited about all the options, all the big, strong dudes that we have brought in and developed in this program the last couple years. Again, not many of them are flashy four and five stars, but they're getting the work done. I mean, you you can't look at what these guys are doing and not be impressed. Joseph Burns lays the wood, and it's going to open some holes for people this year, and I hope he gets to score a couple on his own.
0: Yeah, what I like about him is he he is more of the modern-day fullback, right? When you think of fullbacks in the NFL, there's really not a whole lot of them out there, but Kyle Juszczyk, right? He's a guy who is a lead blocker but can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can surprise you with big plays here and there, and I think Burns has the ability to have that kind of an impact in this offense. As you said, they've just got weapons everywhere
1: who you get to stop right so yeah.
0: I, i'm excited for and it big
1: dudes yeah. like i mean you talk about it over and over again dyches is our number one tight end but he worked out with the wide receivers all spring right. like what's that reason i think it's goal line that's the reason yeah
0: <laughs> well they got to get better in the red zone we talked about that as well so let's dive into the tight end group and obviously uh we, lo- we lose our our big guy in chigakonkwo he goes on to his nfl dreams now with the uh, tennessee
1: titans uh, ret- Definitely the starting tight end. Forget Olson Hooper. We're not worried about that. It's Chigga Conquell, right? Year, everything's be fine. I'm
0: in. Get a lot, get a <laughs> lot of praise <crazy laughs> on there. I'm in on it. Uh, but you got Corey Daitch's as you mentioned coming back this year. Uh, a guy who can line up in the slot as a wide receiver. He can line up on the line. Uh, he can do it all. Uh, worked with the wide receiver score, like you mentioned during the spring uh, with all the players coming back from injuries and whatnot. There's a lot to be excited uh, with Deitches as a receiver at the tight end position.
2: Yeah. And again, I think just kind of being able to work with Gunnar Brewer, just with the 30 years of experience that he's been able to kind of develop guys like, you know, Manny Moss, Justin Blackman, Tutu Atwell, and obviously working with Alshon Jeffrey at the next level. And, you know, just kind of being able to, um, you know, instill some of those teachings on Digest, uh, obviously already proven. to. Uh, receiving threat to Maryland fans, but just kind of being able to add to his uh, toolbox a little bit. Um, and I think again, you know, it's pretty clear. I think the biggest question is for him is going to be, you know, what 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 is he? What is his value as a blocking tight end? But it's pretty clear that you know that's going to be, you know, the question. You know, get to get to the next level because you're going to have to be able to do a little bit of both. But I think just the the dynamic ability that that just kind of has um, as a receiving threat, and like we mentioned, you know, just being able to split out wide, you know, just kind of that versatility. He's talking about all the options then why wide he room um, don't sleep on just because you know he's he's able to forget you know when he was in high school you know one-on-one in the especially in the red zone uh, he was a straight-up nightmare so i think that um, he's going to be the undoubted tight end number one in that room and with a couple other guys just kind of you know complimenting him a little bit Uh, so i think he's he's kind of on breakout watch stats
1: are deceiving 19 receptions 208 yards four touchdowns two of which came in the bowl game but really all of his stats were backloaded. Like he came on at the end of that season where you really saw it come into light. There was, there was, you know, he was still definitely wet behind the ears early in that season, trying to figure out what tight end was as he came in here as a wide receiver, like we said. So you saw the acceleration of this man's talents. And I think he's going to be ready and really make his, his self known early and often this, in the season.
0: Right. You talk about, Blocking tight ends. Uh, if Deitchis isn't if that isn't his strong suit, well, CJ Dupree, a hundred percent that is his strong suit. we're gonna hope to see his game develop more as a receiving threat this year. Uh, but this is a guy come in as a freshman, one of the strongest guys on the roster as a freshman, right? And uh made an immediate impact day one. This is a kid I think I can get behind, be excited about, and and I'm looking forward to see his growth in this offense as a receiver.
2: Yeah. And I think he's another guy, you know, I think, you know, like you mentioned, you know, hit the nail on the head. I think he's uh blocking tight end first that's able to, you know, uh, you know make plays with his hands, especially in the red zone, kind of be that, uh, that secret option for him. Um, and I think it's pretty clear. I mean, he, as soon as he came in and obviously he was uh, an early enrollee from Maryland, but he was among the strongest players on the team, you know, just kind of through quarantine, you know, working out things like that. And I think there's just kind of set the foundation for him to be that blocking tight end for Maryland. Uh, So I think, you know, if Maryland, you know, goes with that two tight end look, you know, you'll see Deitches as the receiver, Dupree as the tight end or the blocker. Um, and I think that he'll, um, uh, I believe he played in all, every single game last year. And I think he'll just kind of get a chance to build on that a little bit more this year.
1: Yeah. He's just got to get a little bit better in the receptions that we can surprise the people. Sure. You want the, the general idea to be one's block and one receiving, but if you're not every once in a while switching that up and throwing to the guy that's blocking, that's going to be a very obvious where we're going. And it's basically a to erase one player out of the out of play design that's not going to work i want to see that baby grunk i want to see this man (laughs) catching balls i want to see him doing big old spikes downfield I, I was I was a little disappointed in the spring game, but again, I think my standards for him just were too high. I just I just think that I, I thought this guy was just going to walk in because I saw the workouts, I saw how big and strong he was, and to me, I was just like, this guy's ready. Well, yeah, he was ready to do one of two things. Right. He's we're still working on physically the physically ready so, to be
0: a blocking yeah, tight yeah. end. His passing game will develop over time.
1: Yep. My standards were too high, and I think this guy will develop and be a, a very good player for us, and hopefully that's by the end of this year. I mean, who knows? Well, we saw the acceleration of Corey Deitch's last year. Maybe we see Dupree pick it up at the end of this year because we're going to need some help as we get deep into that Big Ten schedule.
0: Yeah, and he had obviously he had a great mentor in Chig last year. They were roommates last year, so kind of in that understudy role. We'll see how that yeah. helps. Speaking of Chig, right, uh, in our interview that we did with him, one guy that – kind of flew under the radar, and we asked him who we thought would step up in this tight end group. Weston Wolf was the first name that came to mind for Chig. Uh, this is a guy who redshirted last year, only appeared in two games, catching one pass for 10 yards. So we haven't really seen what Weston Wolf's impact would be. But this is a guy who was uh, highly recruited as well at a high school and a kid that you know also has that pass-catching threat ability. Uh, Ahmed, what's your take on Weston Wolf and what his impact could be this year?
2: Yeah, I am I was always kind of a big fan of Weston Wolf. I just think that he's another guy. When you talk about, you know, just being able to split out wide and being that receiving threat, I think Wolf, I don't know if he has the same level of explosion, but I do think that he can be, he kind of has that same, uh, I mean, just a 6'5 frame where he's able to you know, get downfield and he's able to split out wide. Uh, but I think that he'll he'll kind of be that second receiving threat behind Dijas in that room. Um, didn't get a chance to see a ton of him. Uh, during the 2021 season, he was able to make a highlight play in the spring game with that uh, one hurdle, I believe, down the far yeah. sideline. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I I think he'll you'll, you know fans will see him more. And obviously, like we mentioned, you know, just with the passing game, really going to be the one that that carries this offense. Um, I think that you you kind of see him make a bigger impact, um, at least see him on the field a little bit more. Uh, but I think that he he's kind of that mismatch because if he's going to begin to linebacker, I think he does have the speed uh, to go downfield, and you know if he's one on one, I think he'll have the uh, the he has the route tree um, and uh, the 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 strong hands to be able to win those matchups. Um, he hasn't proven it at the you know at the college level just yet against uh, other competition, but I think he's shown flashes of it so far. So he has an opportunity to to impress yeah
1: limited exposure to this kid but everything i've seen i've really liked this to me is kind of your most well-rounded of the tight ends you look we talked earlier you know with uh Corey digest being kind of like the nine receiving threat and four for blocking because he can't do it and depree the opposite he's a nine blocker and he's a four for catching this guy's kind of like your six seven in both yeah. like he's he's just kind of dependable and above average and can get the job done so i i think it would not be surprised if he ends up Playing an awful lot, you know, in in those roles where say Dupree doesn't get his hands where they need to be, and you need to have a threat from both sides, he could be uh, playing an awful lot on the other side, or or vice versa. If you're just playing, you know, the goal line where you want two tight ends that can both block, you're not going to see. Um, Dyches out there blocking. So I think you're going to see a lot more of this kid than, than we would have thought originally. And he showed it in that spring game. I mean, 45 yards on five catches. He looked good. And when he wasn't catching the ball, he was putting in work and trying to show why he's on the, wearing the wrong color Jersey with that second offense.
0: Another guy that had some hype behind him coming into last year's uh, recruiting class, As we had a pretty good recruiting class of tight ends last year, Uh, was the third the reload? Yeah, the third tight end coming in from that class was Leron Husbands. Uh, What's what's this guy's deal? Do you think that he makes an impact this year? Do you think that uh, he's kind of lower on the depth chart? Where, Where do you see Leron Leron Husbands fitting into this tight end group?
2: I think I think he's kind of an intriguing prospect because I think he kind of has some athleticism and he's been able to show that he, he can be a blocker, he can be a receiver. I think he kind of has, you know, upper hand as a receiving uh, tight end and um, he kind of, he had a setback, you know, last year he had a pair of surgeries, one being hip surgery uh, that, you know, derailed him being able to play his freshman year. Um, so I think just kind of this off season was just, you know, getting him back to a hundred percent, getting him out there comfortable, getting him acclimated to, you know, just the actual being, being out there and, and getting into the swing of things. So, um, I think, you know, Maryland fans will see him. And again, you know, um, tight end room is, is different than, you know, uh, the quarterback room or, um, um, I guess, you know, quarterback's kind of the, the only position where it's tough to, to let players get that experience early on. But, um, I do think that the husband, he'll have a chance to, play a little bit more um but again just kind of getting back to 100 that was kind of the, the biggest thing for him this offseason um and i think that you know he was another guy he started out at uh, archbishop Carroll before transferring over to flowers um where he was able to at Carroll he was you know a really productive uh, receiving a uh, tight end um at, at uh, his junior season um so i think he he's kind of kind of a wild card to me uh, in this room, uh, but uh, I think maybe we'll see Wolf into Dupree a little bit more, and obviously just a little bit more than husbands uh, as things currently stand.
1: Yeah, the high ceiling, but I think we're one year too early. I yeah. think we'll see a lot more of him next That's year. That's kind of what I assumed. Now, one of the
0: guys, it was kind of a wild card to me, uh, was incoming freshman Preston Howard. This is a kid that Played quarterback at McDonough, uh, then his senior year switched over to tight end. So I wasn't real sure, and I wanted to get your take on Howard and where you think he'll best fit with the squad. Obviously, we talked about it earlier. We've got eight quarterbacks right now in the quarterback room. Uh, We actually do have a decent depth at tight end. Where do you see Howard kind of fitting with the team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely, you know, in that tight end room. I think um it was really intriguing because kind of beginning of the 22 cycle, uh, I remember looking at Preston Howard, I was like, I don't see him coming here. And I always thought, you know, it was going to be, you know, Penn state. That was the school that he, he was going to land at. Cause that was kind of always, you know, the first two, the, the sophomore and junior year, that was kind of always the the local talk, you know, he, he was going to end up at Penn state. And then, um, uh, you know, I think it was Virginia Tech, Syracuse, and Maryland. I think those were the three, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, he wanted to be at Maryland. He, you know, was kind of always outspoken. He was able to kind of build a strong rapport um, and I remember watching Howard a couple times, you know, t- I think two games, uh, two scrimmages as well in the preseason. Um, and he was everywhere. I mean, he was quarterback at times. He was playing tight end on the defense. He was playing a little bit of outside backer at times and a little bit, you know, like just kind of like a rover backer. Um, and, then, and then obviously, yeah. And then at safety, I mean, he was able to come downhill and lay the hammer. So I think he's a really physical player. Um, He has that natural athleticism to him in a 6'4", 6'5", frame uh, where he's able to kind of capitalize on that. Um, I think it's just more because the thing with Howard is that his senior year was where he was able to kind of, you know, get his feet wet a little bit more uh, in that tight end room. Uh, And then, you know, his freshman, junior, freshman, sophomore, junior year was where he was playing, you know, primarily quarterback. And obviously, you know, was not a quarterback at the next level, but he has that natural athleticism. And he always kind of showed that even when he was a quarterback. So I think just kind of with him at at tight end now, uh, I do think that he kind of has an opportunity to uh, maybe take that next step. But now it's all going to be about, you know, technique and you know about the little things the intricacies of the position and i think you know uh, tight end coach mike miller does a really good job of kind of bringing bring that out and he does a really good job of relating to the players and that's kind of what helps set the foundation for these guys to kind of put in the you know the mutual work and the hard work and things things like that and i think howard has the intangibles and the, the mindset to kind of take that next level um he has good speed it's not you know it's not like a Corey Digest level in my in my eyes. Uh, I hope he proves me wrong. You know, I don't want that to come across as me thinking he's not as good of a player. Uh, but I think that, you know, he's he's probably the one where he would probably benefit the most from a retro season where he's able to just, you know, fully take in a full year just learning the ins and outs of, you know, what to be in that tight end room. I do again kind of see him more as a receiving threat, but I think he kind of has just the tenacity to to be able to be a tight end but you know that's going to you know take time with uh, the strength and conditioning aspect
1: there's nothing wrong with being part of the future and yeah. then also when you talk about tight ends and linebackers they're always stacked in the special teams they're always part of every return team every coverage team all the all the field goal block everything so these guys have lots of time they can get on the field, whether it is at tight end or whether it's somewhere else on the field, there will be spots for them to play. So when we see last year where you, like you said, we take three tight ends or four ends, whatever it was, some crazy number, everybody's like, what are yeah. we doing? Well, we need athletes, right? And this is where the athletes play. Like we have a bunch of converted quarterbacks who were the best athletes, but they're not going to be quarterbacks. We got the tight ends. We got linebackers. We're st- we- we're stacking talent right now, guys. Right. This is what it looks like. This is what a developmental program like Maryland has to do to compete. And I see a lot of potential here. This is, We've talked about nothing but depth here. Right? We're not, we're not scraping the barrel. Yeah,
0: and I think with Howard specifically, though, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's got a good coach and Mike Miller to learn from. He's got the physical size and tools to do it. And a guy that played quarterback, typically quarterbacks are high football IQ guys. So he's got the intelligence, right, to make it all work. It would, it would benefit him, I think, to your point, having that red shirt season to just kind of put it all together, be ready for next year. Corey Dice is more than likely he moves on, you know, for his career. Uh, and then he comes in as that, you know, second, third, fourth tight end, wherever he falls, uh, to pace, depending upon his development. But this tight end group is, um, you know, in the beginning, at the end of last year, we were going into the offseason. I was questioning a little bit, right, because, you know. To Ryan's point, we mentioned earlier, CJ Dupree maybe hadn't lived up to what I expected or what I hoped he would be as a re- as a receiving threat. So really That's because I was in your ear pumping him up as what, the next great thing. But well, when you hear bread. Baby Gronk, right, you picture Gronkowski and you think Gronk. of him as a yeah, complete tight end, right? And and I think his game will get there. Um we just get, we need to see it this year. We need to see him take that next step as a receiver. Uh Weston Wolf was a pleasant surprise hearing that from Chig. Uh, I do think Deichus, he kind of reminds me, I know our fan base is kind of split. We have Redskin, or we have (laughs) Redskin, we have Commander fans, (laughs) and we have Raven fans. Uh, if you want to compare him to anything, I can kind of compare him to Isaiah Likely, who was the tight end that the Ravens drafted this year uh, out of Coastal Carolina, a guy who can line up as a receiver. The NFL Draft Scouts didn't know whether they, really, they should draft him as a receiver or a tight end. That's Corey Deiches, and that's what he can be. So I'm I'm really excited to see his game take that next step, uh, being the primary pass catcher for this group. So it's So it's a lot to be excited about, man. Quarterback, running back, yeah. like you said, depth, tight end, everything.
1: What's what's yeah. wrong with your team, Ahmed? The commander's putting in an <laughs> oh, alternate no. helmet on their year two. You G- didn't come up with G- enough helmets oh, in year man. one.
2: Uh, I I I can't support that franchise anymore. I'll just publicly say it. I, I'm a Chargers fan from here on out. Oh, you know, I just need to I just need to completely dissociate from, uh, from from everything Washington. They an alternate I, helmet, everything's fixed. Dan Snyder is not going to take another second of my time as long as he did. leaves that franchise. Well, actually, you should but, totally uh, follow
1: the Dan Snyder yacht Twitter, where they the track oh where his God. yacht is because it's absolutely
2: hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I I'll I'll give that account a count of follow. But yeah, man, I I I've wasted enough of my life on the Washington. <laughs> uh, I have too many inappropriate names for that t- for that franchise coming yeah, off the uh, Commanders. Yeah, I'm sorry. But, Redskins uh, is not the most offensive thing no. we could say about your, your team. It's, just not. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. But, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, Dyches, when you got to think about him, I think he might actually be uh, just the biggest X factor in that passing game. Like we mentioned, I think uh, he, he, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot to like with him. So uh, it'll be kind of fun. Uh, I'm going to put
0: both your guys feet to the fire. So besides the starters, right? So you can't name Leah, you can't name, let's say challenge. You can't name Duchess. Who's the one guy of these three position positional groups that you're most
2: excited about with their future. If you had to pick one guy, I'll
1: let you go 1st Ahmed.
2: Oh, I was going to say Hemby. I mean, I think he's, He's to me, like, I think that he's gonna just this top end speed and I think kinda what he's able to do in the running back room. Not that I think, you know, Chal or Challen or or uh, McDonald or Littleton, like I don't think they do, but I just think the top end speed that Hempy has and what he's able to do on the outside, I think will kinda um Provide a jolt for that running back room, and I think that running back. When you talk about balance offense, I think they need that. So kind of that big playability, and you know the pass, 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 and then you know find a way to get him the ball in space, and you know watch watch him work. So I think that I like it. That's the guy I'm. uh, I'm. I'm. I'm really pulling for. So you
1: want a this year answer or like top ceiling answer? Top ceiling. Top ceiling is definitely our four star running back coming in Ramon Brown okay. like that that guy is, is it could be an absolute game changer for this program uh this year, I think they hide him. I think they try to give him enough you know run to show them what they want to do with him in the future, so maybe his stats won't show up all that much this year, so this year it's Weston Wolf I think it's gonna up. yeah blow I was up.
0: gonna say you took me if if Chig believes in this guy, Weston Wolf, then I've got no reason not to believe in this guy. Uh, I think he'll be the, yeah. the exciting second pass catching threat, not to discredit CJ Dupree in any kind of way. I just think Weston Wolf is waiting in the wings and Chig spoke very highly of him. So I'm vested, I'm vested a hundred percent of this guy. And I think he can make a major impact
1: this year. I'm excited for him. Yeah. He, him and, him and Joseph Burns definitely were the ones that didn't look like they belonged in white Jersey. So <laughs> I think they're going to keep trying to prove it. Right. Well, we appreciate you guys
0: tuning in as always uh, each and every week. Next week, we'll be back uh, with wide receivers and offensive linemen uh, continuing our positional breakdown. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, if you're not already, make sure you're following us on all our social media platforms. You can follow the show at Shell Intel Pod uh, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, you can follow Ryan at TerpsBSpert, me at FredBLBS. Ahmed at uh Gefir the turtle and at inside black and gold. If you are not subscribed to inside black and gold, you're missing out. I don't know what you're doing. Spend that extra couple dollars a month. Make sure you get in on that for all the latest on recruits uh, and update information around this Maryland sports programs.
2: Yeah. Football season right around the corner.
1: Yeah, man. No clickbait that has nothing to do with Maryland. No, just news about nothing. You know, all the Maryland yeah. stuff. Everything you guys want exactly. to read. Exactly. Ryan, <laughs> sign us out. All right, guys. Keep the faith. Don't worry about what dumb Twitter says about star rankings. It, star rankings sucked before COVID. Now they're dealing with five-game sample sizes. Calm down. We're fine. Everything's going to be good. Look forward to all these great players we talked about and all the great players we're going to talk about Get your tickets, get in the shell, have some fun, get there early. Let's get some tailgates going and really show what Maryland's all about. Until next time, guys, here's the wishing all as well under the shell.